Welcome online. Glad to have all of you watching today. Welcome to the roads. We're just hanging out talking about God. It's been a great day so far. Looking forward to what God's wanting to do here in this service. So I hope you're ready. We've been talking about our series called Holy Spirit, a Difference Maker. And today we're going to talk about something that I'm really pumped about. Holy Spirit, a different language. Now, so I want you to get your Bibles out, get your sermon notes out, get your YouVersion Bible app. You can get the sermon notes. You can download them over there. I'm going to give you more information in your sermon notes today than I'm actually going to be able to get to. It's too much for me to uh, get to in the short amount of time that we have, but I want you to get them. You take notes. Uh, what we're talking about, note takers are world changers, so get those out and follow them along. Let's open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Woo! Acts chapter 2, we're just happy about the Bible. That's why we give a shout out. I just want to take a moment. I want us just to pray and prepare our hearts to receive from the Word of God. Father, I just thank you and I praise you that you are the one that we're here for. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher, the one who guides us into all truth. So we just welcome you into this place, that you will open up our hearts, open up our minds, and we will receive everything that you have for us. Thank you for your love for us. All the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I don't know how many of you were like me, but when I grew up, I grew up in a church that not only didn't talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues, but actually spoke against it. Like, was, was uh, like, you know, we don't do that, said it was uh, wrong, not for us, not for today. So my whole young adult life, I never heard anything about speaking in tongues other than negative, other than it was weird and for people not named me. <laughs> and so... So I had no grid for it. I had no grid for it. I had no, no way to engage it because I just thought that's something foreign, okay? I, I, I don't need that. I've got the Father. I've got Jesus. I don't need that weird stuff. So then, then I started growing in my relationship with God, and I started reading the Bible. And as I read the Bible, it created moments of question for me. I'm like, well, so what is this about speaking in tongues? You can't get away from it. It's in the Bible. It's not like you can pretend it's not there. So I'm like, what does it mean? But I never heard anything about it. But so I started to ask questions, and here's some of the things that I think about. If you're wanting to know more about a subject, you want to go to experts on that subject to ask questions, and what do they say about it? You know, no matter what it is, no matter what subject you're like, I want to know what I can about that subject, then you want to find the best people. So if I would think about who are the best human beings that I could look to to ask, what do I need to know about being the best Christian I could be? What two human beings that walked on the earth that I could go to would help me the most to tell me what I needed? The two people that I come up with, Jesus, number one. How many know he's a pretty good guy? If you're going to know, remember Jesus was son of God, but he was also son of man. So he lived as a human being. The Bible says he was tempted in all points just like us. He related himself to our weaknesses. So we need to go to Jesus. What's a human being supposed to look like and live like, empowered with the Holy Spirit on the earth? Go to Jesus. Don't go to me. Don't go to your neighbor. Don't go to somebody else. Go to Jesus. That's your example. That's number one. But how do we know? So when I look at tongues, I'm like, okay, so I'll go and ask Jesus about it. I trust Jesus. What does Jesus say? Jesus made this comment about tongues in Mark 16. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. That's what Jesus said about it. So we got to process that. So that's Jesus' take. He didn't mean that they will learn Spanish. When he said they will speak with new tongues, he wasn't talking about us learning another foreign language. 
He was saying they're going to speak with new tongues. In other words, an unknown tongue than what's on the earth. That's what he's talking about. And Paul talks about, he talks about uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, talks with men of, of uh, talks with in words of men or languages of men and that of angels. And so he's talking about this process. I'm going to speak with new tongues. So the second person that I thought about, you know, and people say, well, wait a minute, Jesus never spoke in tongues. Well, just quickly, I want to insert nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Seven of the nine were operating in Jesus' ministry. The two that's not documented are the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I've got a couple of schools of thought on that. Number one is the dispensation difference between Jesus. And remember Jesus said, I've got to go away so the Holy Spirit will come. After the Holy Spirit came, then tongues came. So that, that's one school of thought that we can talk about that. Also, there's another school of thought that it doesn't say that Jesus never prayed in tongues. But that's another subject for another time. So we're talking about... The, the, what Jesus did. So Jesus is the first one I'm going to ask. The second one I'm going to ask about what I need as a believer, as a, son, as a son of God, I'm going to ask Paul. Paul wrote 13, at least 13, the, the Bible talks, most scholars believe he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. So Paul knows a little bit about what it takes to be a successful Christian. Am I right? So if I'm going to know, what does Paul say about tongues? Well, here's some things that Paul said about tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, and we'll read these more later, but he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. I wish you all spoke in tongues. This is 50, at least 50, some of ours 55 to 60 years after Jesus rose from the dead. So we're not talking about the disciples. We're talking about what Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. So these are not only, not to the disciples, it's maybe the disciples' disciples, or maybe the disciples' disciples' disciples that he's talking to, and he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. He wasn't talking to a denomination. There were no denominations. So he was talking to the church, the body of Christ, and he said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. And then look at another thing he said in verse 18. He says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So evidently, Paul spoke in tongues a lot. So if Paul endorsed it by speaking in tongues a lot himself, I at least have to look into it to see what does that mean for me. So I've got Jesus saying that people will speak with new tongues, and I've got Paul saying that I speak in tongues more than you all. So now I've got to figure out what does God want to do with me? What's the validity of tongues with me? So let's go to Acts chapter 2, and let's look at what it says here in Acts chapter 2. I've got a lot of information I'm going to try and give you today, so again, take notes, follow along, but listen to it afterwards. Watch online afterwards. Get your sermon notes. Study those out for yourself. This is not something I want to teach you about me. This is something I want you to learn about God. This is not something our church wants to give you. This is something Jesus wants to give you. Very important to distinguish that. This is not something we believe here. This is something I'm going to show you in your Bible and show you why you need to put this into practice in your life and why Jesus wants you to have it. Here's Acts chapter 2. When the day of, of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in unity in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, or that really means individual tongues, flames of fire. Divided tongues does not mean there were one of these over their heads, you know, like a tongue waving over their head. Individual tongues of fire. You know how you watch a fire burn and the top of it is see little flickers? They call that tongues of fire. That's the edge of it. That's what they're talking about. They had tongued individual flames of fire above their heads. 
This was the fire of the Holy Spirit. So when you see the word divided tongues, that's not a snake tongue over their head. Just clarifying the Bible so you don't get confused. It was individual flames as of fire, and one set upon how many of them? Let's try it again. Make sure you see it there in your Bible. One set upon how many of them? Each of them, all of them, depending on what uh, version of the Bible you're reading. So now, each of them, all of them, how many is this? If you go over to Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it says there were over 120 people in the room. So we're not talking about just the 12 disciples. We're talking about 120 people in this upper room. Not of them just the original apostles, 120 Okay, so now you got an idea who's in the room, and the, the individual flame of fire set upon each of them. God's no respecter of persons. It was for all of them. God didn't handpick certain ones and say, you get it and you don't. All of them got it. All of them. And look, verse 4, and they were all, how many? All filled with the Holy Spirit. Now stop right there. If we were reading our Bible and we would stop reading right there, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now stop. Were everyone in the room at this point, were they filled with the Holy Spirit? They were all filled. That's what the Bible says. They were all filled. So what happens first? We're all filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we talked last week about baptism in the Holy Spirit, remember that Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 1, you can see that in verse 5 where Jesus talked about after salvation, something in addition, Holy Spirit brings us into the body of Christ. Jesus immerses us into the Holy Spirit. Now look what happens. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. It's about being filled with him. We receive a person. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not tongues. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is person. Tongues is not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not tongues. They work hand in hand. They come together, but it's not just about being able to speak in tongues. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first part. That's the most important. You receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the part we want to get. We want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. But then after that, and began, everybody say began. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Or another way you can say that, as the Spirit told them what to say or as the Spirit gave them the words. That's another way you can phrase that in the Greek language. So they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit told them what to say. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they began to speak in tongues. It didn't say when they began. It didn't say that all 120 began speaking in tongues at the same time. It just says they all began to speak with other tongues. Here's the reason I think that's important. I want you to receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Check. Then I want you to realize that you can now begin to speak with other tongues. Some people will not receive the Holy Spirit because they think and they've been taught that you don't have the Holy Spirit until you speak in tongues. I'm submitting to you that you receive Holy Spirit and then you begin to speak with other tongues. I think you should begin to expect to pray immediately, but it doesn't mean you will. I've prayed with people that received the Holy Spirit and they have called me a few hours later and said, hey, I was in the shower and all of a sudden I just started praying in language. I didn't know what it was. I said, I know, we received Holy Spirit earlier and now you're just starting to manifest in your body. You're starting to see it. So now, I know this can be a little weird because again, people's never heard anything about it. There's like tongues and weird. I don't don't know all that. But look what happens. This is, Jesus prophesied this is gonna happen. The Holy Spirit's gonna come and you're all going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to be, begin to speak with other tongues. Notice what it says. When they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, 
at the point in your Bible, there was no how-to manual on what you're supposed to do when you receive the Holy Spirit. This is original. This is in the Bible. This is, there was no denominational teaching that says when you receive the Holy Spirit, here's what you're supposed to do. No one had ever received the Holy Spirit before. This is why I like to go back to the original mention in the Bible when you teach things so that we don't get our own personal doctrines distorting and contorting the Word of God. That's why I like to go back to Genesis 1-1 and say that was God's plan for the earth. We messed it up, sin messed it up, but this was God's intent. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I like to go to Acts 2-1. When the Holy Spirit first showed up, this is what they did. It could have said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they started doing cartwheels. But it doesn't say that. It could have said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they started doing jumping jacks. But they didn't do that. They had no precept. They had nothing to go by. They had no experience to look at, well, this is what mom said you're supposed to do. They had nothing by the pastor of the church that said, all right, now when you, feel, when you get the Holy Spirit, here's what you're supposed to do. Start moving your mouth and doing these things. That's what we do. Nobody to teach them what to do when they receive the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so beautiful because it's raw, it's innocent, it's the beginning. So now when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. Why tongues? Why not cartwheels? Why not backhand springs? Why not anything else? Why tongues? It's because there's something about words coming out of your mouth. Your Bible tells you that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we're going to see in the next scriptures, we're going to see the power of when we're letting words come out of our mouth. God wanted to give us a heavenly language. Because there's certain things that you can't speak to in English that God's going to give you the words in, in the heavenly language that you can release over that situation. There's power in our speaking. So God gave us words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Hebrews 11 says, without, uh, he created the wor- worlds with his words. So this is what we're talking about. We're speaking words. We're do- doing heavenly language. Now let's go to a couple of scriptures. Go to, to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, I'm just going to touch on this, and I want, to get, uh, I want to get some of this in you so you can give you some example. I'm going to start reading verse 34, Acts 10, 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, God's no respecter of persons. In other words, God doesn't like one person better than the other. In other words, God's not going to give something to somebody. He's not going to give somebody else. In other words, God is free for all. It's a free for all. God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Can I just encourage somebody? Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're right here. Whoever you are, if you will fear God and if you will believe in him, he will accept you. It's not a deal that God's picking certain people. That's why we've got to address some of that Calvinistic teaching. It says God's handpicking certain people who he loves and certain people who he saves. He says whoever will fear him, whoever will work righteousness is accepted by God. Yes. You're accepted by God. Yes. You're accepted. Well, not right now. I'm not doing good. No, no, no. He's accepted you through Jesus before you ever worked any righteousness. He embraces you just how you are. And just like we talked about earlier, he's saying, come on in. I want to show you who you can really be. Now, this is what he's talking about. Now, let's go to, this is Peter preaching. Remember, no partiality, no favoritism. Uh, Jump to verse 43. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever 
Again, right there. Whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness, remission, or forgiveness of sins. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So look what happens. He's preaching to the Gentiles. Context of the scripture. This is Cornelius. You have to read the whole story. I don't have time to go into it. But Cornelius, a Gentile, they've never heard the gospel. Peter's preaching this to them. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Now hold on. What happened? He had just told them, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. So now evidently those people heard the word about forgiveness of sin and believed on Jesus and they got born again through faith while they're listening to Peter preach. Because while they're listening to Peter preach, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Now remember back in Acts chapter 8, we talked about how, how, how they ran across some disciples and the, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them. They'd only been baptized in the, in the repentance of John. So here the Holy Spirit falls upon all of them. Look what happens. He starts to speak something to them. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles also. For, verse 46, for or because. How did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles also? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How did they know that they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Because they heard them speak in tongues. And look what he goes on to say. Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who shall receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? Remember Acts chapter 2, how they received the Holy Spirit? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. Right here he says, well, these people, they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit too because we heard them speak in tongues and they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So to see another example, these are even Gentiles. These aren't even the 12 disciples. So for people to say that that tongues is done, gone away with, it's no more around, it's not for us today, it went far beyond the disciples. It went far beyond the upper room. It went into all the early church saying, you need to receive the Holy Spirit and you need to pray in tongues. Yes. Yes. This is what he's talking about. We're just looking at examples of it. And now, now let's go over to chapter 11 when Paul or Peter begins to defend it. Look at verse 16 or 15 rather, and he says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. So the beginning being as Acts chapter two. So the same Holy Spirit fell upon them, the Gentiles, just as it did us. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here's another example of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. So now, I could do a lot, there's some other scriptures we could go to to validify or validate speaking in tongues. It's, it's, it's not one scripture taken out of context. We really need four CDs to even touch speaking in tongues. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to address what are you doing when you pray in tongues? Because what I, here's my story. Again, I was taught that it was wrong. So once I got around people that did, here, here's what happened. I was, what, my, my open door into tongues 1989, October, I had just the previous week broken my leg in a football game, and the next Friday, I'm listening to the game on the radio. I just got released from the hospital. I got home, and I'm listening to the game on the radio, and our team lost. We were undefeated up to that point, and we lost, and I was so upset. I was just overwhelmed. 
I went into the, my parents' bedroom, shut the door, turned off the lights, and I just started to cry. I just said, God, why me? You know, I just felt all, you know, I just so overwhelmed. I won't get into details of that. So I'm there, and a friend of ours, I hear the door open. I just thought maybe it's my dad or something coming in the room. And so I'm just, again, crying. I don't want to talk to anybody, so I just pretend like I don't pay attention. This friend of our family walks into the room and just starts walking around praying. But then something happened that I wasn't ready for. She started praying in a language I didn't understand. I'm like, what is that? What is she doing? I was like, oh, that's so weird. I can't understand a word she's saying. But I, again, I was just caught in this emotion of like, this is weird, this is strange, I'm really sad. This is weird, I'm really sad. So I just started focusing on me and blocked her out. But something happened in the room that I said, I don't understand that, but I'm glad she's here. Because the room changed. And something happened on the inside of me that God began to come and comfort me and give me a peace and tell me, Chad, I've got you. It's going to be okay. That was my first door. Now, I had other doors after that that kind of repelled me away from tongues. <laughs> Went to a church, church service one time, and I don't know if you've ever been in one of these church services, but they were, they were wanting uh, certain people to receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. So I somehow got vacuumed into the huddle of people that they thought wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, and I really didn't want to. But I got vacuumed into that, so I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, people turned on me. I don't know, it's like, it's around, you're a bu- around a bunch of dogs that smell bacon. I don't know if they realized, I don't know if I, they could smell I didn't have the Holy Spirit or what, but they turned on me all of a sudden, get around me, someone's grabbing my face and shaking me here, someone's hitting me in the belly and just rubbing and grabbing my face. I'm like, you better stop touching my face. It's like, this is not going to end well if you don't get your hands off my face. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. You know, so, so after that moment, after that moment, I'm like, forget it. I don't want that. So then I kept reading the Bible, and I kept searching for more of God. And the more I pursued God, the more I read the Bible, the more questions that came up in my heart, and the more I said, God, I don't understand this, but I want more. I want more. I don't know what more means, but I want more. Uh, and so God, I, I came to a place, this is a long story shortened, but I finally came to a place that said, God, I want more, and if more means that, I'm okay with it. I'm not super okay with it, but you're going to have to show me what does that mean. So I found these scriptures. Again, we taught on baptism of the Holy Spirit last week. And, and so go here in 1 Corinthians 14. Why should I speak in tongues? Because then once I even got around a group of people that spoke in tongues, then I was just like, I was curious, and I wanted to do it just to be able to say I could. I felt left out. You know, they would pray for people, and they all start praying in tongues, and I'm like, Jesus' name. God bless Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with praying in English. I'm just saying I wanted to do that, and I couldn't. And so then I thought, well, I just want to be able to do it, but I still didn't know what it meant. So what I want to talk about is what's happening when you're praying in tongues. So I want to whet your appetite why you would want to pray in tongues, why you would want to do it, because I believe this is also true. There are people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit and have prayed in tongues, but they've stopped because they don't know the value of it. They don't know what's happening. Or they thought it's not making a difference, so they quit. And I want God to stir up your heart that if you stop praying in the Holy Spirit for whatever reason, I want you to get stirred up and start doing it again today. Not for me, not for anybody else, but for yourself. 
1 Corinthians 14, we got to go pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Now, I've got a lot of notes there that you can understand, but here's the, the crux of what we're talking about. Paul's writing to the church. He said, I want you to pursue love. I want you to go after it, and I want you to desire spiritual gifts. Now, look what the word desire means. It means to be deeply committed to something, to be zealous for, to burn with desire, to pursue eagerly or intensely, to be earnest, to set one's heart on, to be completely intent on, to burn with desire for spiritual things. He said, I want you to burn with desire for spiritual things more than you burn with desire for followers on Instagram. I want you to burn with desire for the things of God more than you burn with desire for a boyfriend or girlfriend. I want you to burn with desire for the things of God more than you burn with desire for acceptance for people. I want you to burn. It's not this prayer. It's not this prayer. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. No, no, no. It's not that. It's I want you to burn with desire for it. I want you to desire spiritual gifts, not be passive and be like, ah, you know, God, just let other people out. I got the Father, I got Jesus, I got all I want. No, no, you need the Holy Spirit. And, he, and Paul said, I want you to pursue love, I want you to, it's a, without this kind of desire is this, maybe I can illustrate it this way. It's a difference between someone coming by and stealing your wallet or your purse. You would pursue that person with a certain amount of desire to catch them. Because this word pursue and desire means to catch up to them. Like I'm chasing you not just for exercise, I'm chasing you with a purpose, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to get spiritual gifts. So it's, it's illustrated this way, I could pursue someone who took my wallet or my purse and I'm gonna run after them, but somewhere along the journey, I'm gonna start weighing out the cost of this chase versus the reward of actually catching them. And I may get tired and I may say, you know what, I can cancel all my credit cards. I didn't have any cash in my wallet anyway. I I can get a new driver's license, go on with your bad self. I'll just sow that seed into your life. You can keep my wallet. That's one level. But there's another level of pursuit that I believe this illustrates. It's when someone would come by and take your child. You come by and take my wallet, I'll chase you for a little while. You come by and take my child, I will run you down with intentions that when I catch you, this is what I'm talking about. This is the image you got to get in your head when God says, pursue spiritual things. Like somebody took your child. Like I will catch everything that God has for me. I will get everything that God has for my life. I am running and chasing after the things of God. Pursue it and desire it. Especially that you may prophesy. For he, verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Here's what we got to see about speaking in tongues. Look what the Bible teaches. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Here's what you need to know about tongues tongues is a God word gift, not a man word gift. Praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, and we'll talk about the distinction between public speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. I pray if we have time. But so, there's a difference. He said, 
He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. You're not going to understand speaking in tongues with your mind. He said, you're not talking to people, you're talking to God. Here's the problem with speaking in tongues. Too many people started to make it a manward gift to validate and justify their own spirituality instead of making it a communication device with God so that they can speak to men and women so they can understand it. When you're praying in tongues, look, it's a Godward gift. You're speaking in tongue, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands. But here's what's happening. Here's what you need to know. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I give you that word mysteries. The word mystery in the Greek is a word that means the content of that which has not been known before, but which has been revealed to an in-group or restricted constituency. A secret known only to the initiated, something hidden required spe- requiring special revelation. Hidden truths, secret, divinely revealed secret. Here's what I have written in my margin, in my Bible. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. He speaks divinely revealed secrets, hidden truths from God. There are truths from God that are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. A mystery in English means nobody knows. A mystery in the Greek means it's revealed to a certain group of people. Big difference. Mystery to us is, it's a mystery, nobody knows. Mystery in the Greek language is, it's unknown to some, but it's revealed to a certain group of people. So those who pray in tongues, they speak these mysteries, these hidden truths. It's like this. When you're praying in tongues, the Bible says that your spirit prays and your mind is unfruitful. And we'll talk about that in, verse four, in chapter 14. So your spirit is praying. So when you receive the Holy Spirit... We usually process words through our brain because we understand a language. We know English. Most people here, you may know some Spanish. You may know something else. You may know another language. You may be watching online from all over the world. Whatever language you know, that's your known language. But there is something that the Spirit wants to speak to you. is going to be something that your mind is going to say, I don't understand that. But when it's the Holy Spirit came on them in Acts chapter 2, it says they began to speak in other tongues. They began to speak in a language they did not know. So there's going to be a point in our walk with God, if we're going to speak in tongues, we're going to have to tell our mind, that one's not for you, it's for my spirit to speak. That my spirit is giving me the words. And so when my mind says, reject, you don't know that language, you say, okay, I turn you off. My spirit knows that language. And you go ahead and speak those. Because what I thought speaking in tongues was only something that happened when the spirit just came over you and took control of your tongue. And just all of a sudden these words started coming out and I couldn't control myself. That's not what it is. You and I, we have to begin to speak what the spirit is telling us. There's power in that. If you won't speak it, it won't come out. It's not like you're going to say, mm-mm, mm-mm, and he just starts taking off. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. You have to engage the spirit. You have to say what he's telling you to say, and you're not going to understand it. But we're speaking mysteries. So I'll say it this way. Man, do you know we all got phones? Maybe you got phones. Hope you're not scanning your news feed right now. But on your phone, on my phone, it gives me notifications that I have updates. So remember, when you're praying in the Spirit, I look at it, you're downloading updates from heaven. You're speaking heavenly mysteries. When my phone, when my app needs an update, sometimes it does it automatically at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes I have to manually do it. It tells me there's an update available. 
And so then I have to give permission. I say, okay. And then my phone goes somewhere I have no idea where, connects on the internet superhighway to someone I don't know who they are, and starts downloading information that I don't know what it is into my phone that's supposed to fix what I don't know is broken. Like, here's the big description it gives you. Various bug fixes. Thank you, Apple. I appreciate that. Clearing up all those bug fixes. But it downloads them. And I have no idea in my understanding what's happening on my phone. I just know when it's done, my phone's supposed to be better than what it was. That app is going to work so much better. Why? Because I downloaded the latest update. Do you have the? Oh, I'm sorry you don't. But I have, I have version 11.2.75.C. I got the latest version. Right? We download that. Here's the value of praying in tongues. If I will trust Apple to download something that I don't even know, onto my phone. How much more do I trust God that when I pray in tongues, I'm downloading into my heart. I'm downloading things that I don't even know about yet. I'm downloading hidden truths, hidden mysteries, things into my heart that my mind will not understand, but I'm downloading updates because I need some bug fixes in my life. Just like my phone has a set time that it downloads, now I have a set time that I pray in tongues every day. Not like it's the only time. I'm just saying I set aside time and I say, okay, I'm going to pray in tongues for the next five minutes. Nonstop. What am I doing? My mind usually somewhere along the process goes, this is ridiculous. You got a lot of things you could be doing. But I'm allowing my spirit to pray because what I'm doing, I'm downloading updates. I'm downloading what may happen tomorrow. I'm downloading downloading something that may be for a person that I'm going to run into at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at the store. I'm downloading hidden mysteries about the direction of my life that I don't even know about yet. I'm downloading information about a a future mate. I'm downloading information about what I'm supposed to major in when I get into college and I'm only in the sixth grade. I'm downloading hidden mysteries into my heart when I pray in the Holy Spirit. Here's the value. He says, he who prays in a tongue speaks mysteries. I wish I had time to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because the Bible says that the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. But he says the Holy Spirit, it says this in chapter in verse 9. I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them. But it says in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Who gets to know the mysteries? The in-group that prays in tongues gets to receive and re- things that are revealed to them that other people are not going to receive, not because God doesn't want them to receive it, because it's only reserved for those that's going to pray in the Spirit and receive what God has for them. Again, so here's what I want us to do. Because some people said this. Well, praying in tongues in church, uh, there's got to be an interpreter, right? Is there something about that? In, in chapter 14, here on down, Verse 13 says, let, therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. You are not going to understand speaking in tongues with your mind. Just get over it. It's not going to happen. It's not, praying in tongues was not designed for your intellect. It was designed for your spirit. Listen to me. Folks, if we think our relationship with God needs to be limited to what I can process in this little part right up here, 
we've got a pretty small God that if I think I've got to understand everything with my brain before I believe it's truly of God, we need something to take us beyond our mental capacity. We need to take us beyond the limits of what God wants to do in my life. There's things that God wants to do in, in your life and you're not going to understand it. You're not going to be able to grasp it. But your spirit can digest it. Your spirit can process it. Your spirit is like a holding cell. You can... <laughs> your spirit downloads these mysteries into your heart and it will hold them and then it will give you in baby bites to your understanding and as your your understanding can handle it it will start releasing things God wants to do and you're like whoa I can't do that I know you can't get the whole picture this is why God doesn't drop in your lap everything he's going to do in your life when you're 10 because you can't handle it so let me finish with this last verse Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. So there's praying in the Spirit. And I will pray also with understanding. That's praying in your known language. So there's nothing wrong with praying in your known language. It's awesome. It's still good. Paul said, I'll do both. I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray with understanding. So he distinguishes between praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and praying in your known language. And look what else he says. And I will also sing with the Spirit. Oh, so you can even sing in the Spirit. And I will sing with understanding. You can sing in the Spirit. If you, some people say, you know, we, anything that tongues is in church, it needs to be interpreted. Look, look what it says, verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Here's, I'm going to land this plane with this part real quickly because it's important. I didn't want to miss this part. Some people have rejected tongues because they've got either no teaching, bad teaching, or bad experience. And I'm not saying this like I'm the best teacher in the world. I'm not by any stretch. But I just want you to understand the praying in tongues is for you. It's a Godward gift between you and God. Praying in tongues or speaking in tongues was not designed exclusively for the church. It was designed for you to talk to God. But too many people want to say, I'm super spiritual, so they come to church and hear me talk in tongues. Well, that's great, but you're not talking to me, you're talking to God. So when you come into church, this is why Paul said, in the church, I would rather prophesy or speak with an interpretation so that you can be edified. Because it says that he who speaks in a tongue, in verse 4, edifies himself. Here's the benefit of praying in tongues. You're building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Who doesn't need their walk with God built up? Well, then pray in the Spirit every day. Pray every day. I need to be built up in my relationship with God. Then you need to pray in the Spirit. You edify yourself. But when I speak in a known language, it edifies others. If I would get up and I would give this whole sermon in tongues, you'd be like, okay. It would not be of the devil that I did it. It would just be unedifying. Because he said there in that verse, you give thanks well but the other's not edified. In other words, hey, that's good. You gave in tongues well. That was awesome. But nobody understood a word you're saying. The point is, when you're in, the, in church, when if I'm praying to if you come up and stand next to me during worship, you're going to hear a lot of praying in tongues. But if you come over and say, oh, that needs to be interpreted. I'm in church, and that's not interpreted. I'm like, I would look at you and say, I'm not talking to you. 
It doesn't need to be interpreted because I'm not talking to you. Now, if I get up right here in the middle of the message and I start speaking in tongues, now I'm talking and addressing the congregation, then now that needs to be interpreted. Why? Because you need the benefit of the interpretation. If it's not interpreted, 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 it doesn't mean it's of the devil. It just means you're not going to get the benefit of the interpretation, and the interpretation or understanding is what we want. So should we pray in tongues? Yes. Is it for everyone? God is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. This is different from the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the gift of interpretation that only certain people may operate in. Praying in tongues is for whosoever received the Holy Spirit. 